Hello? Hey, it's a four-way. Is everybody on? Yeah, I'm here. What's up? Present. Oh my god, you're never gonna believe what I just heard. Bitch, we need to be in person for this one. I'm on my way. I'll grab the champagne. Perfect. See you guys in 10. Welcome back, toppers. You are just with me today. I have you all to myself, which means we're going to be doing a true crime case. Ah, uh, near and dear to my heart. I'm excited, which is kind of sad to admit, but you know, you know me by now. This is what I do. This is what I do best. This is what I love the most. So today, since I'm alone, we will be covering the true crime case of Heidi Allen. I want to div div I can't speak. It's been a while since I've been by myself. So let me uh let me collect the English language Webster dictionary, everything that I know in my mind, not a lot. Loading it, loading it. Okay, we're back. Let me speak a full sentence correctly. So today we're going to be covering the case of Heidi Allen. I want to give a disclaimer first. I mean no disrespect to the family, the victim, anyone involved. I'm just trying to get her story and her name out there. If you cannot listen to anything uh, gruesome, anything that's going to trigger you, please click off now. I will not be offended. Maybe a little bit, but I will not be offended. (laughs) Okay, now that we've gotten that out of the way, let's get into the story. Like I said, we're going to be talking about Heidi Allen. The date that this story takes place is April 3rd, 1994. It was an Easter Sunday. 18-year-old Heidi Allen was working the morning shift as a clerk at the D&W convenience store located at the intersection of Routes 104 and 104B in the Oswego County town of New Haven, New York. I, We all know I can't speak the English language. I've proven that already. So if I say names, places incorrectly, roll with it. Let me go. Let me be, okay? I'm trying my best. Moving on. She was out the night before her shift that morning. On the Saturday night, Heidi went to her parents' house with her boyfriend, Brett. She bought some Easter gifts for her family. Her sister, Lisa, and Lisa's husband, Ed, were there as well. Heidi was in a great mood that night before. She was singing and having fun and didn't stay up too late because of her shift the next morning was early. Heidi had been working at the D&W convenience store for over two and a half years. She was a determined young woman and full of energy. She was very ambitious and took her last year of high school and her first year of college simultaneously. She was on track to graduate from on... Here we go. Here's a word I can't pronounce, everyone. Onondaga County College in May 1994. I know I butchered that name. Moving on. Heidi wanted a career in education or counseling. She wasn't supposed to be at work that morning, the morning of April 3rd, 1994, but she agreed to work the shift so that her co-worker could have the day off and spend it with her children. Heidi's shift began at 5.45 a.m. that morning. She wore a gray sweatshirt with a plaid SU logo on the front, light blue jeans, and white sneakers. At 9.50 a.m., a customer went into the store, but there was nobody there. It appeared that there was nobody working, but the lights and gas pump were on. So the customer ended up going outside to the road and flagged down a marked Oswego County Sheriff Department patrol unit car. The police went into the store. Nothing seemed out of place. There was money in the register and $9.50 left by the customer before on the counter for payment for gas and a newspaper. There were no signs that a struggle had taken place or any indication that anyone had been in distress. The police saw Heidi's car parked outside and her purse and car keys were still inside the store. 
Even though there were no signs of a struggle, police believe that Heidi may have been abducted and the search began immediately. The news featured Heidi's alleged abduction and the police received a call from a man called Richard Thibodeau? 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 I'm sorry. We know me and names, so we're going to move on. He told police that he saw Heidi that morning as she was in the store and he purchased two packs of cigarettes. The purchase was made at 7.42 a.m. Another man, Christopher Bivens, Bivens, no idea, came forward and told police that he was driving by the store and saw two men leading a young woman to a van. He said that it looked like one of the men had the woman in a bear hug. Richard went back to the store and helped search for Heidi. His brother Gary and his wife Teresa helped search for her as well and helped to put up missing poster signs in the area. Police suspected that Richard was somehow involved in Heidi's disappearance due to the time he was in the store. It was just a few minutes before Heidi was reported missing. He also drove a van similar to the one that Christopher described. Police searched the van. Nothing was found that connected him or the van to Heidi. He provided his fingerprints, blood, and hair samples. Due to the police's surveillance of Richard, they began to look at Richard's brother, Gary, as well. The eyewitness who saw a van at the store that morning specifically said that they saw two men leading a woman out of the store and into the van. When police spoke to Gary, he told them that he was home asleep that morning with his girlfriend. She confirmed that as well. Police had no evidence and still had no idea where Heidi was or what happened to her. Gary was sentenced to a term in prison in relation to a minor drug offense. While he was in prison, police were able to build up a case against him. Two inmates claimed that Gary told them that Heidi was killed with a shovel and that her body would never be found. Gary and Richard were charged with first-degree kidnapping. They were ordered to have separate trials. At Gary's trial, it was the prosecution's case that Gary and Richard abducted Heidi between 7.41 and 7.45 a.m. that morning from the D&W convenience store. It was their case that they forced her into Richard's van and drove off. There was no physical or forensic evidence in the matter, and Heidi had never been found. But the prosecution believed that they had a compelling case. They called a witness who believed they saw Gary outside the convenience store that morning, and the jury heard his testimony of two inmates in relation to what they claimed Gary told them about Heidi. At the trial, the jury heard that Heidi was working on her own that morning, and in the space of just 13 minutes, she disappeared without a trace. The last recorded sale in the cash register was at 7.42 a.m., and that was in relation to Richard's purchase. At 7.55, a police officer called his dispatcher from the store after a customer had flagged him down to notify him that the store was unattended. So sometime between 7.42 and 7.55 a.m., Heidi disappeared. During that 13-minute time period, a witness said they saw two men and a woman in the parking lot of the convenience store beside a van. They described the van as being a whitish-blue van with two black or blue doors on the rear and two similarly colored doors on the right side, as well as a six-inch wide strip across the center of the right rear panel. It was a distinctive van, and that same witness identified the van as the same one that Richard drove. Another witness testified they made a purchase at the store at 7.41 a.m., just one minute before Richard bought the two packs of cigarettes. The witness also testified that there was a van in the parking lot and they believed it was Richard's van. They saw Richard inside the store and testified that they thought there was a second man inside the van when they were leaving. The engine was running 
he testified that he saw some of the license plate and the partial plate was a match to Richard's van. A third witness also saw the van and testified about the distinctive features on the van. He said that the van was driving behind her on the morning of the 3rd of April and it was driving erratically. The jury also heard that Gary was with Richard that morning before Heidi went missing and Richard's van was parked at Gary's house shortly after Heidi went missing. Gary was found guilty of kidnapping in the first degree in connection to Heidi's disappearance. He was sentenced to life in prison to serve a minimum term of 25 years. Richard's trial, however, included the same evidence but had a different judge and jury and the outcome in the case was very different. He was acquitted. Richard's acquittal meant that there was question marks all over Gary's conviction. It was the prosecution's case that both men were at the store that morning in Richard's van. So if Gary was convicted, then why was Richard not? Gary appealed to his conviction based on the same details that came to light after his trial. The defense discovered that Heidi was a drug informant and even though she was a confidential drug informant, her identity had been exposed. Before she went missing, Heidi was working with Deputy Chris Van Patten, and he accidentally dropped a card with her photo at the convenience store where Heidi worked. Chris had an index card that listed Heidi as an informant, and he had clipped a photo of her on the card. He dropped it when he was using the payphone at the D&W convenience store where she worked at. A store employee found it and gave it back to the police. I'm going to take a little pause there. Could you, here's where I jump in with my little opinion. Could you imagine if you agreed to be basically a professional snitch? <laughs> I'm just going to call it what it is. Um, so she was a drug informant for the police. And they not only messed up with dropping her, the card saying that with her name, but they just like happened to make it a little collage with her photo as well. How? Oh my God. Like, come on. That cop really, really messed up. You just, that's mm, dangerous information to be letting out to the public. <laughs> like, come on. If I agreed to be a drug informant and you did that to me, uh-uh, uh no, no more trust in that relationship. Thank you very much. All right. Getting back to the story. The defense also sought a new trial based on information they received about incriminating statements three men made in relation to Heidi's disappearance. Tanya Priest gave a statement to police in February of 2013. Tanya told the police that a man called James Sheen said that he, Roger Breckenridge, and Michael Boer, Boher, I don't know, moving on, kidnapped Heidi because she was about to report drug dealers to police. Tani said that James claimed that they took Heidi to the trailer home of Roger's girlfriend at the time. His girlfriend was Jennifer Westcott, and she lived in a trailer on Rice Road in the town of Mexico, Oswego County. According to Tanya, James said that they beat Heidi to death in the garage, and the three of them dragged her across Rice Road to where they dismembered her body and hid the remains under the floorboards of a cabin. They put Heidi's clothing in a wood stove at the cabin. Tanya recorded a phone call she had after the discussion with Jennifer. During the call, Jennifer told Tanya that James, Roger, and Michael brought an abducted woman in a van to her home. Jennifer believed it was Heidi. On foot of the new details the police had, two cabins were searched. One cabin was almost directly across the street from where Jennifer lived. When police searched the cabin, it appeared that the floor of the cabin had recently 
been disturbed. Cadaver dogs alerted police to the possible presence of human remains near a collapsed structure in the woods, but a forensic examination conducted at the site by the medical examiner's office yielded no evidence of human remains. Um, I'm going to pause in the story real quick. So, that phone call that I mentioned just five seconds ago is on our Instagram. You can listen to it. It's um, I don't know if you can find it on, like, our regular Instagram page. It's an IGTV, whatever the hell that means. I'm old and I don't understand Instagram too well. But the whole call was, um, recorded and given to police and the recording we put on our Instagram. So, if you're interested in hearing the discussion between Tanya and Jennifer, where, um, Jennifer says all this information about it. It's like over a five minute phone call. So if you want to listen to that, you can head on over to our Instagram page and you'll be able to hear that all there. At Gary's appeal, all three men denied kidnapping Heidi. I mean, obviously, who's going to be like, yeah, I did it. Okay. Anyway, a man called Richard Murtaugh. Murtaugh. Why does everyone in this story have very hard last names? Hmm. Okay. So Richard Murtaugh testified at the appeal. His family owned a local scrap processing facility. He testified that while Gary was incarcerated, he and Roger removed an inoperable van from Gary's property and scrapped the vehicle. They claim they discussed the possibility that the van could have been used by the Thibos, Thibos, the brothers we talked about. I'm not going to try to say last names, but it's the brothers we talked about to abduct Heidi, and but Richard testified that he believed the van was not used for an abduction as he had searched it and found nothing. James testified that he worked as a driver for a business that transported scrapped vehicles to Canada, and through his employment, he had several dealings with, with Richard. Roger told James that a van James had scrapped in Canada was connected to Heidi's kidnapping. James testified that he believes he brought Heidi's body into Canada in a load of crushed cars but did not know he was doing it at the time. None of the three men had ever been charged in connection to Heidi's disappearance. James is serving life prison terms for two unrelated murders. After a year of hearings, Gary lost the appeal and he has not been granted the right to a new trial. The judge believed that the evidence presented wasn't credible enough to grant a new trial. Many other troubling aspects of of this case have emerged. Another strange aspect to the case was in relation to a gold bracelet with Heidi's name on it. Heidi's cousin, Melissa Searless, said that she gave it to Heidi. According to Melissa, she received a brown envelope in her mailbox in 2004, which contained the bracelet. She did not tell the police about it for a number of years. One of the inmates who testified at Gary's trial in relation to what he claimed that Gary told him about Heidi later said that he only heard the information from another inmate. Gary died in 2018 in prison. He was 64 years old and had spent the last 23 years of his life in prison. Even though he knew he was dying and did not have long to live, Gary maintained his innocence. But Oswego County District Attorney Gregory Oaks is convinced they got the right man. He said, quote, I truly believe that Gary Thurbeau and someone else went to the DNW and abducted Heidi, and it is unclear exactly where they took her and how they disposed of her body, end quote. That said, there was practically no evidence linking Gary to Heidi's disappearance. The strongest and most compelling part of any criminal case should never be the testimony of inmates. 
While it is not always possible to have forensic or physical evidence, the circumstantial elements of the case should always reach a high bar. So that's all the information I have on the case. Um, I don't know what to say. I don't know. So my, my theory who I think did it, I think that I don't know what to think completely. Um, it's really hard that there was no physical evidence ever found, um, especially that wasn't that long ago. Like I know it was the nineties, but they had, they had DNA and stuff back then. Like they could have had some type of physical evidence. So the fact that they, that Gary was convicted with no physical evidence is kind of shocking, honestly. But I think after, because I listened to the phone call that Tanya and Jennifer had with each other, I think that those other three men um, are definitely the ones who were involved in the whole thing and not the two brothers. So if that is true, then that poor guy spent his, spent a lot of his life in jail and died in jail when he didn't do it, which is kind of hard to believe that that can happen nowadays. It's kind of scary, like wrong place, wrong time, ruin your life. You know what I mean? Um, I wonder if that man had never dropped the cop I'm talking about now. I wonder if the cop had never dropped that card with her name and number, not name and number, with her name and photo on it, stating that she was a drug informant, if none of this would have ever happened, or if people had already known that she was, and she was already a target at that point. So, God, there's just a lot of, like, what-ifs in this case of, oh my God, and if she wasn't working that morning, like, would it not have happened as well, or were, was it always going to happen to her? They just picked that day because she was working alone? Like, God, it's crazy to think about, honestly, how one little moment can change your whole damn life. Sitting here now, <laughs> Because this was so short of a story, I'm going to insert that phone call between Jennifer and Tanya at the end of this now, just because this is really short. Um, I know it's just me and you guys today, so I can't, I can't blabber. There's nothing to blabber about. So instead of just making this a like 15 minute episode, which is... (laughs) sad, depressing, honestly hate that. I'm going to insert the clip after this. So don't waste your time going on to our Instagram page if you don't want to. You can if you want, but the sound will be on the end of this. If you have any suggestions of people, cases, topics you want us to talk about, um, you can go to either our Instagram page and DM us. You can go to my personal Instagram page and DM me. Uh, you can send a smoke signal. You can send a pigeon with a message. I will receive it. Honestly, if you scream loud enough, I might be able to hear it as well. So however you choose. Thank you for listening this week. Next week, I already have, I'm alone again. I, I'm uh, sorry to you. You know, I have you all to myself again. So next week, we'll be talking about another topic near and dear to my heart, conspiracy theories. We're going to break up the murder and gruesomeness of the world with a nice little lighthearted conspiracy theory episode. So look forward to that next week. All right. Thanks for listening. I gotta go. I'm rambling now. Just take time. Okay. Bye. Thanks. Bye.
Oh, God, I need to get my life together. He just told me that him, um, Michael Bohr and uh, Roger had uh, taken Mike's van to the store and that they grabbed her from the store and they brought her to your house and um, he had said that you did flip out when you guys got there and uh, you know I stuck up for you and I don't blame you for flipping out and uh, basically that's you know what he had said had happened and that's you know it's not your fault though you know so I don't want you, I knew a long time ago I just didn't want you to think that I thought no, any I, um, less of you I really uh in my own head dropped that shit right I don't know probably about 10 years ago yeah but it took me a while to get it gone well how the hell did why did they even involve you or even do this yeah. I mean I don't know you were young. I know it was that for cocaine. It was for cocaine. Yeah, sounds like the area. I don't know, kiddo. I love you, and I'm sorry that happened to you. Yeah. Did you even know that? Did you even know that they this was Heidi that they brought there, and that this is what they were gonna do? Uh uh You had no clue that they just showed up with her. Yeah. What a bad position for you. Surprised scared the shit out of you. Well, they, it's not even, they didn't even bring her in the house. Yeah, that's... Well, Thumper told me they took her out in the garage. And uh, me and Vicky at this point, honestly, Jennifer didn't believe him. And he said right. that they took her out in the garage and that they beat her till she died. I don't know about that. That's what he, that's what he, uh, he had told me. But, I mean, as long as you, that's all you know and everything. And, I mean, the only thing you said you did was junk the van with Roger then I wouldn't really worry about anything. And you really had no part of it. And it's kind of sad that that even happened. Is that why you guys went to Florida? Uh-huh. She knows, too, so I'm letting you know. Thumper told all of them. Mm-hmm. So I'm just giving you a heads up. Everybody in the area knows Megan, Ruben. Um, he told me and Vicky. He even threatened to kill me and Vicky. He said uh, that... If anybody said anything, he would kill me. Vicky and me, Vicky, you know how Thumper is. At that point, he was just a happy-go-lucky guy. I never would have thought that, Jen. Right. And, you know, what'd they do? Just leave her in the van when they got to your house? Yeah. Who actually freaking killed her? I have no idea. It didn't happen around me. Oh, good. At least she weren't part of that. That's bullshit that this even happened. And when was that, when the day she came up missing? Uh, I don't remember. Oh, no, kiddo, I love you. I wish I could just give you a hug and I'm sure that'd make you feel better. Alright. Did you know everybody yeah. knew? It, it bothers me to talk about it. I won't lie to you, but... Well, I know, hon, but that's why I, I, it bothers me because it's been bothering me since Thumper told me. I was like, no way. Jennifer doesn't know. She would have talked to me and Vicky about it because we were all very close. No, I couldn't say anything about that. I never had anybody. Why did you know, I? Yeah, they, why was it? Why didn't she say anything? Because they scared you, hon? Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> Well, who scared you, Roger? Probably Roger living with you? Yeah. Yeah. It was all crazy. 
Yeah. Well. Hang out with all them people. What'd they do? Threaten you if you said anything? No. They just. I just didn't. They never said anything. Nothing. Nothing was ever said to me in regards to it. Did you ever think about turning Roger in for it, honey? Huh? Did you ever think about just turning Roger in for it? Nope. No. No. That scared you that bad, huh? I would never, op I would never open a can of worms like that. Right. Why? I hate him. <laughs> He's done so much to you. You know? Uh, and I've been through enough. I don't want to even deal with any anything new. No, I can't Man, say as I blame you. God almighty. I'm not, I'm not doing the investigator's job. I don't get paid enough. They're not going to give me a big reward. Right. You know? They're just going to laugh in my face and fucking... out of here. What do you mean? Someone's already been convicted and... Blah, blah, blah. No, did you see anything that happened during it or just freaking you just Nothing. you just flipped out when you knew she was there oh good for you I, didn't e I, I don't even think honestly I knew it was her right I just I don't know I was 18 I don't even barely remember I've done a lot of drugs with them <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying right. 18 years ago got me right how the heck no did idea. you find out it was Heidi in the end I didn't, I just put two and two together.